Welcome to the Landlord's Resource. Well, hi there. My name is Jamie Swalm. I'm here with Connor Swalm, and we are the hosts of the Landlord's Resource, brought to you by Swalm Property Management, where each week we educate and empower landlords just like yourself. Connor, how are you today? I'm doing great today. All right, well, we've got a special show for you today. We're going to talk about the five most common mistakes that new landlords make. And so, all right, let's jump right in. Let's talk about the first mistake. Yeah, the first mistake that we see often made by new landlords, uh, rookie landlords, is really uh, is owning the property in your own name. So they're not an agent of a company. They're not a part of a company. They are signing as Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner. They are managing the property as Mrs. and Mrs. Homeowner, and they own the property as Mrs. and Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner. And really, that that opens you up to a whole slew uh, of liability issues that could crop up as a result. You'd really, for liability purposes, want to get your property owned, and you'd want to manage your property as an agent of an LLC or however you end up uh, setting up your corporate structure, just for liability purposes. The second reason that it is also beneficial to own a property uh, in a corporation instead of in your personal name is for tax implications. There are all sorts of tax implications um, that you could take advantage of or or tax benefits that you could take advantage of uh, if you own your property in an LLC. Now, we don't know, uh, we're not the professionals of this, but we hire hire accountants and we hire tax attorneys to help us out to figure out uh, exactly how we should own our own property and how we should instruct our owners to own their property as well so that they can not only prevent liability from happening or they can reduce the liability as much as possible, but they could also save money uh, on taxes uh, as well at the same time. Yeah, and obviously we're not attorneys, so we want to encourage you to consult with your attorney and your accountant, but the short story is... Uh, Our suggestion is don't ever own property in your own name and I can tell you that we follow that advice so the investment you know properties that we have uh, there we own in uh, in corporations as well so uh, short story is don't own investment property uh, in your own personal name I know that you know sometimes folks will talk about hey I'm gonna own it in my own name but uh, and then I'm gonna get an umbrella insurance policy to cover any incidents that happen not even in that situation uh, do we recommend you owning it in your own name. All right, uh, second thing, number two, is not giving the tenant proper notice for entry. And we see this all the time. So um, very often uh, owners, because they own the property, uh, are kind of under the misunderstanding that when there's a tenant in the property, they can show up at any time, uh, knock on a door or come in or just walk in or have a key and and go in. Um, That is not the case. So you cannot simply um, show up at a home if the tenant did not specifically request that you address something, you must give 48 hours notice at least to the tenant. Now, if the tenant obviously requests that you come and do something, um, then that's fine. But outside of the tenant um, initiating and having you come and do something specific in the home, you must give the tenant 48 hours of notice before entering the, the property. Yeah. And let me touch on that a little more. Um, The Delaware Landlord Tenant Code states 48 hours. For some states, it's different. It's only 24. For some states, you might not even need uh, to give them notice. But for Delaware, it is 48 hours notice at least. And it's not even just that. It must be done in writing. So let's say you want to schedule an inspection. You need to send a letter via a certificate with a first class certificate of mailing to every financially responsible tenant on the lease. You cannot mail one letter at a time. You need to mail three separate letters if there are three people on the lease, 48 hours in advance, uh, 
and it needs to state exactly when you're going to be there or who's and who's going to be there and why you're going to be there. Now, if a tenant requests maintenance, um, obviously, like for instance, we keep a lockbox at our property so that our vendors have access to a home uh, so that really if a tenant's at work, which happens a lot, that a maintenance issue that needs to get resolved can still be resolved quickly and efficiently and it's less of a headache to the tenant as well. Uh, so uh, in that case, if the tenant requested that maintenance, you don't need to give them notice, right? They requested that you go there. They requested that you fix the issue and you're able to go do it at that point. Another, um, another example is also if it's an emergency. So if you're, let's say you have a duplex and the unit um, next to a vacant one, or well, in that case, you wouldn't need to request uh, access. Let's say the tenant is away on vacation and the tenant next to them says, hey, there's a huge leak in the property. Well, at that point, if there is damage being done to the property that you could solve, you are able to get access to the property at that time as well. So the third one is not following correct procedures for evictions. Now, this is a big deal. So, uh, you know, as a, as a landlord, maybe you have a tenant that has stopped paying rent and you want to and need to get that tenant out as quickly as possible and following an eviction process so that you can put a new tenant in place so that you could have that new tenant uh, begin to pay rent again. And so not following correct procedures for evictions can significantly delay your ability as a landlord to get that tenant that is not paying out. We see this all the time with landlords. Maybe it's the first time they're trying to do eviction. They really don't know what they're doing. They're trying to muddle the, their way through it. So what are some of the most common things in an eviction process that you see landlords doing wrong? Yeah, uh, well, first, we have a whole podcast that I'd encourage you to go take a look at on sending a five-day letter. So the first part, uh, and we have, a whole pro we have a whole podcast actually on the eviction process also that you could go take a look at. Um, the beginning, um, long story short, the beginning of any eviction starts with a correct five-day letter. So that requires that you send it in the right way. You send it in the right amount of time. You wait to file in the right amount of time and everything on your letter is correct. So there are things that you can't include on the letter and there are things that you can include on the letter. So you need to make sure that you have all of that um, realized and handled. Uh, and again, if you're unsure of that, you could go look at our five to seven day letter on our website, or you could also take a look at our podcast episode on it. It's really in depth. Uh, now states differ, so what you need to send and when you need to send it uh, differs between every state, but in Delaware, uh, for, so all of our so all of our advice would be for Delaware, uh, which we've spent a lot of time and we've actually used to do incorrectly. So we actually spent a lot of time learning from our mistakes uh, and also learning how to do things correctly from attorneys and the people who actually wrote the landlord tenant code, so that we could know what we should do and then also what we should tell other individuals to do or recommend that they do as well. Yeah, you know we've spent a lot of time uh, learning the Delaware landlord code and in particular the eviction process and. Uh, I would uh, highly recommend that as a landlord that um, you get help, um, professional legal help with the eviction process. All right, number four, uh, most common mistake that we see new landlords make is trusting your gut when placing a tenant. And uh, we have seen some horror stories happen here. All right, what's, uh, what's the problem with trusting your gut? Really, when you trust your gut placing a tenant, you have no clue what you're going to get. So uh, a tenant could be lying to you straight to your face. Uh, we've seen that. A tenant could not be lying to you straight to your face. Uh, they could just not be the person that they say they are. Uh, and really, your gut is not a hard set of criteria 
that you use to decide who gets to live in your property. Uh, and so also, uh, sometimes owners don't think about the uh, discrimination liability that comes with it. So anyone can make any case for any reason if your answer to why they didn't get to rent your property was because of your gut. That is not a good answer, right? So we, over here at Small Property Management, we have a hard, hard line criteria. If you don't meet those, you should not even apply because we're gonna reject you. And then based on that point, the only thing we have access to of a tenants is their name, their previous living history, uh, their credit history, and then their criminal history. And those three pieces of information that we get back, that is how we decide how we're going to, if we're gonna rent to that person, uh, or if we're not gonna rent to that person, the homeowners, uh, in our case, don't even have, um, we, well, we can't even disseminate that information to them. But we make a decision, we bring it to the homeowner, and we say we're gonna rent it to this prop, we're gonna rent you to this tenant for this reason, uh, and then we move that tenant in and we go ahead and move forward. It is never our gut. We actually don't even see the tenant until the move-in inspection. So there is no room for any discrimination, for any liability. It is really just the factual information that we're giving that allows us to make the decision that we need to. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, the there's a big risk to landlords that are tenanting the property themselves. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in our in our society, uh, there are renters that seek to take advantage of unsuspecting landlords, and they're very good at it. Uh, there are renters that know the landlord-tenant code so well that they intentionally look for landlords that are trying to tenant the property themselves, that don't have a lot of experience. They know what to say in order to appear to be the perfect tenant. And then once they get into a property, they also know how to manage the system so that they are able to stay in that property as long as possible, even through potentially multiple failed eviction processes, uh, especially if an owner is trying to go through an eviction process for the first time. And so uh, trusting your gut is, is the worst thing that you can do. Uh, as an owner when putting a tenant uh, in, into your property. Um, and the other thing is that in our, in our society, a charge of discrimination in a landlord-tenant dispute is a very big deal. Uh, that is the last thing that you want to have to go through um, as a landlord. The hassle, the amount of um, money that that can cost, is just potentially enormous. And so I don't want to underestimate what Connor said, that when we tenant your property, we follow the same procedure every single time with every single individual. And that significantly improves your ability as a, as a, as a landlord to obtain a very high quality tenant. So um, don't trust your gut, that's number four. All right, number five is not budgeting correctly for CapEx costs. So go ahead and explain what CapEx costs are. Yeah, CapEx costs are really the cost of owning a home. So uh, if you own it in an LLC, you're gonna be taking some amount of depreciation. That's not just free a free tax break you get, right? There's an actual cost to your home. The, the more your home uh, has been in existence, the more uh, chances are the longer things have been there and that they're going to need repair. Uh, so CapEx costs you could also define as those large ticket items that are going to need replacement. So for instance, uh, we manage in Wilmington. If you're in the city of Wilmington and your heater is 50 years old and it's oil heat, there's a good chance that if you get a cold winter, your heater's gonna break, I'm gonna get a call from my tenant and I'm gonna have to send someone who can get there in less than two days 
to repla replace your entire heater if it needs to be replaced. And that is a huge ticket item. We're talking eight, $9,000 at, at some point, um, sometimes. Uh, and really some owners are not capable of sustaining that cost. And if you're not capable of, if you're not budgeting, so if you're not capable of handling a large ticket item like that, like for instance, your roof, uh, your heater, your AC unit, maybe there's a huge plumbing leak that causes a lot of damage indoors, uh, maybe a couple windows break, anything that could be huge. If you don't budget for those ahead of time, then you're not going to be prepared when they happen and a lot of bad things are going to start to occur. Your tenant's not going to be happy. Maybe they move out. Maybe they break their lease. Maybe they hold, withhold rent because the home they can no longer live in. Or maybe there's a, uh, like a, a rights violation where they have no heat in the middle of winter. You're not able to repair it. And at that point, it is just a huge issue for the homeowner. And all it would have taken to resolve is to budget correctly. So really there's a, we recommend that every every landlord, uh, every homeowner have a certain amount of money set aside that they don't touch, and that changes depending upon the size of the home and also the rent amount of the home. Every time we recommend a homeowner uh, puts that money aside, it's really to prevent an issue like that occurring. So that when we go to get uh, when we go to get approval for a homeowner for something that needs to be solved immediately, uh, there's no worry, right? They have the money. We resolve the issue and then we discuss it later. Uh, and that's really the best case scenario at that point. Yeah, and that's actually one of our criteria for taking on owners. Um, that, you know, when we're, when we're onboarding an owner, uh, you know, we, we talk about that owner's ability to maintain the property in its, in its proper form, because the last thing we want is to work with an owner that doesn't have the capacity to actually keep the house repaired financially. Uh, we had a recent situation, Connor mentioned Wilmington, where um, one of the owners that uh, we managed their property in Wilmington uh, had a pretty significant event uh, occur in the property and they informed us that they did not have the resources to fix that event. Well, the, the bigger problem was that we were working with the Wilmington Housing Authority uh, with that tenant, which we do frequently in Wilmington. And so when the owner could not fix that, the Wilmington Housing Authority got involved and it really created a significant issue that you know we had to get resolved would have been far simpler if the owner simply would have had the funds to actually repair that home and then everybody everybody would win so not budgeting effectively for capex costs uh is is a big deal all right anything else that we want to close out with no that's uh, pretty much everything beware of these five things if you have any questions really reach out to us we'd love to answer it we put out this podcast we put out youtube videos uh really for your benefit so that you guys can get some education uh, a rising tide lifts all boats, so we'd really like to educate landlords so that they start to perform better, and as a result, we get to perform better as well. Yeah, absolutely, and you can always get us at uh, swampropertymanagement.com. A lot of free resources on our site to educate you as a landlord, and uh, uh, go ahead and uh, uh, leave us a like or a review anywhere you can find us, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Landlord's Resource. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in today. We are extremely appreciative that you would spend some of your time with us. It would mean the world to me, and I mean the world if you would leave a like, rating, or review. We would love to see some of your feedback.